Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly Billinghurst, and joined with me, of course, is my talented co-host, Mr. Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how have you been? I've been great, and I am multi-talented. I have so many skills. Mm -hmm. I think the number one skill that I do have is being a dad. I am hashtag girl dad for sure with three (laughs) daughters. You just wait, man. Oh, my God. You're going to need a mortgage just for grad dresses, I'm sure. Well, I know. I don't even want to think about that. I'm just enjoying the time I have now. So I I do have a daughter that's turning six. And Mm -hmm. then I have twins that just turned two. And it's been hilarious to listen to them because they've had their own language for a year where they speak together. You feel like they're understanding each other because just their hand movements. Now they're starting to use real words and having conversations between each other. And there's 90% is their twin talk where they're using real words. And I'll tell you, it's the cutest thing ever. You'll hear like, blah, 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 daddy, blah, 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 mommy. And then it's like (laughs) cutest ever, but As they grow older, it'll be interesting to see how they interact with each other. There's something super special about twins. Now, I have some other friends that have twins. Maybe it's urban legend, but you're living it. They really do have their own way of communicating. Is that? Oh, 100%. And this is very common with twins. Actually, they'll pick up language later than singletons just because they just learn how to communicate with each other. They use words they understand. So twins are usually a little bit behind when it comes to language, but I'm sure they'll catch up. Oh yeah. Oh, that must be so adorable. Oh my God. So cute. So remember it. I hope And you're so lucky that we have iPhones because when my kids were little, it was getting out the big honking video camera. And as soon as the kids saw that come out, they're like, they'd clam up because you've got your phone out all the time. It's easier to capture. Hey. Oh, 100%. I have so many videos. For you, it must be tough getting out the carousel projector. It must be tough for you to show. No, it's even worse, Serge, because if you um, think back to the mid-90s, it was all the, the technology kept changing. And so there was a time where you were actually taping it. And so I've got all kinds of, I guess, video clips of the kids, but it's on a medium that I would have to send away to some special place to get them to upload it to the cloud or something like my biggest regret was being like buying a new video camera but then you had to buy these specific cartridges for it now how am I going to convert it I think there's people that do that I'm sure you yeah can yeah I think away, there but... is I think there is but now it's you've got them forever like you just save them to the cloud exactly they're yeah. all there and what I do is I actually have set up emails for all my daughters where I send videos. What a great idea. Oh my God. Because I realized. You are dad of the year. No, I'm not. Oh, come uh, on. Hashtag girl dad of the year. That is so cool that you do that. Very How nice. about hashtag girl boss? How about we talk oh, about f- their topics? Please. <laughs> I'm going to reach through my mic here and grab you by the throat. Stop calling me that. I'm going to change the subject here. Why don't you introduce our topics today? Yes. So the first topic we're going to talk about is diversity statements and what that means when you should use it. Then we're going to talk about a survey that Phenom did with Fortune 500 companies and how many companies are actually leveraging AI tools. Mm -hmm. 
Not a lot, but we'll dig in deep on that. Then we are going to talk about unique and weird interview questions and when to ask them. Then if we have time, last week we announced jobs on the TikTok platform and our friends at Chat and Cheese came on air and totally trashed it. And I'm going to give you the arguments why they're wrong. And I feel there's a future for TikTok for jobs. So let's jump into first topic. Okay. So, do you know, Serge, I think everyone or most companies have some sort of diversity statement, whether it's on their website or whether it's the at the bottom of your job postings. There's been so much emphasis over this last year that organizations have something for a diversity statement. And I found this great article on um, a blog. It's called ongig.com. So they reviewed the Fortune 100 best places to work for diversity list. And there was some really great recommendations on how to write a a good diversity statement. And what I found really interesting is that they're recommending that you actually write it to a reading level of eighth grade or lower. That's a really good practice because I think anyone should read it and on the first pass understand what is your position on diversity? Before we go into it, just a question on that. Yeah. If you don't have a diversity plan, should you have a diversity statement? Because a lot of companies say they have mm. diversity and inclusion, but in reality, they don't really have a plan or any strategies behind it. And they'll put a statement out on their job postings or uh, on their website, when in reality, they don't have a concrete plan. What should they do in that case? So I think most candidates, and I'd love to hear from our audience, but I think most everyone can read a diversity statement where what they've done is cut and paste of, of what they are obligated to say. Things like, we will not discriminate. I've even seen companies go directly to the government website where here's the law on diversity. They do a cut and paste and put that at the bottom of their job ads. Okay. So I think as a, an applicant, you can tell, right? I believe you need to have something. There is a reason why companies have diversity statements at the end, if nothing else, just to say, hey, we'll comply by the law. And the law says yeah. we won't discriminate based on age and gender and so on and so forth. Why you do that is usually it's a placeholder. <clears throat> it means you have good intentions of building something. So what should be in your diversity statement? So diversity statements, as I was starting to say, they need to be simple. They need to be straightforward. No big multi-syllable words. What is your company's position on diversity and inclusion? If you're just being compliant by law, then use use that. There's a really good one that I saw recently, and it goes like this. Inclusion is how we unleash the power of diversity. We strive to foster belonging and empowerment at work. We create relevant marketing for our diverse customers. We listen and engage with our diverse communities, and we value teamwork with our diverse suppliers. So how does that feel to you, Serge? feels pretty good. And if I'm reading what they put in there, there's a couple elements that they've tried to incorporate. And according to this article, you should have your company's mission. I don't know if I agree with that, but anyways, that's what's listed. What is your commitment to diversity? Mention of a specific underrepresented group and positive and inclusive language, which definitely they had. Mm -hmm. And then unique info of 
benefits for diverse groups. So what I liked about the way this was written is it's realistic. Starting a sentence with, we strive to foster belonging. So listen, nobody's got it perfect yet. I don't think there's a single company out there that can say we're holding ourselves up as the pace setter for how to have a diverse workforce. Everybody is always trying to get better. And it just felt so authentic to me that we strive to foster belonging and empowerment. That says a lot to me about the company culture. So although it may reference your mission and vision, of course, I think every company needs to have one, but it's something that should be like goalposts, something that your diversity statement should reflect it. If your mission statement is to listen and engage, that's reflected in your diversity statement too. In order for it to be authentic, your diversity statement needs to be of the same vibe. And the problem with mission and vision statements is they're usually written by a third-party consultant like Deloitte or KPMG. They're just words that really don't mean anything. And I'm nervous that's what we're going to do with diversity statements Mm -hmm. as well. In the article, they showed Schneider Electric and their statement was, diversity is our heritage and our future. Be part of it. Wow. What do you think of that? I love that. I love simple. The go daddy's diversity statement. It says, first of all, I like Schneider's way better, but go daddy says a culture of creativity is life at go daddy. Okay. That sounds like that's on par with their, I guess their corporate brand, but they go on to say, we hire the best, give them first class training and set them loose. If you're driven to perform, you'll fit right in. We approach our work fearlessly, learn quickly, improve constantly and celebrate our wins at every turn. Everyone is welcome. As an inclusive workplace, our employees are comfortable bringing their authentic whole selves to work. Be you. Does it actually happen at work? That's what I'm always scared about. Because <laughs> in reality, right? we all have these statements, but when you dig in deeper to any organization, it's actually completely the opposite. To me, it's a marketing message. And I'm not sure it should be a marketing message. Doesn't it where... absolutely give you that vibe? Hey. Yeah. I love when you say, show me the receipts. What (laughs) have you done on the diversity side? I think that should be part of your statement. If you're going to have a marketing message that's talking about diversity and inclusion, show me the receipts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I bet you a lot can't. Shelly, what's your advice for all the practitioners and leaders that want to have a diversity statement? Be authentic, I think is really what I would say. And I know if you don't have any diversity programs, don't try and make it look like you have one. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So read a recent article, Phenom's 2021 State of Candidate Experience Benchmark Report, where they did a study and it was based on how are they using AI? So 93% of Fortune 500 companies are using AI poorly. Where AI is mostly talked about in this particular article, a couple elements. Chatbots. So if you look at it, according to Phenom, chatbots that answer questions and present relevant jobs can double candidate leads and increase supply rates. 
And it's the whole sales principle is if you're going to get a question, the quicker you can respond, the same as in sales, you get a lead. After five minutes, the chance of you converting that lead goes down dramatically. And it's the same with candidates. Obviously, can't have recruiters online 24-7. This is where a chatbot can definitely be used. So 94% don't provide job recommendations based on the candidate's career site browsing history. That should be fairly standard. And these are Fortune 500 companies. This is a large corporation that should have these tools. The other element is 91% don't display recently viewed jobs when you log in. So I don't know how critical that is, but I know if I'm logging into a career site, see the recent jobs that I looked at. So that's not being used at all. And 99% are not sharing where the applicant status is in the process. That's what I found staggering. What does that do to your employer brand? No You're one does not it. Transparent. Is there that expectation from candidates? And it's interesting because so I I leverage Smart Recruiter as an ATS with Smart Recruiter. So we talk about registering before you apply, and you don't need to register to apply to Smart Recruiter, mm-hmm. but if you do register, you will have access to see where you are in the process. So as a recruiter, I'm moving you to the next step. If you log in, you're going to see that, hey, I looked at your resume and moved to the next step. Mm -hmm. This is where we do need to leverage AI to be able to give the applicant the status of where they're at because we are struggling. Candidates are asking for it. 99% of companies, there is absolutely no emails or no updates that comes to them as the candidates moves forward in the process. And AI could do that. None of that is being used, which is not surprising in smaller organizations, but you would think with how critical the candidate experience is for Fortune 500 companies, because generally a lot of them are either B2B or B2C, and these could potentially be their clients and they're giving them a shitty experience where there's no excuse. They have the money and they have the tools. They have the people in place to be able to give the candidate a better experience in leveraging these types of technologies to be able to do that. So that's what I find really surprising. Are so, they using it for matching jobs? Mm-hmm. To Yes, they are. But we all know about the challenges potentially there is with that. And I'm personally a big fan. I think there's a lot of value in, in candidate matching. But all the other elements as far as candidate experience, it's just not being used. So why do you think that is? In my opinion, I think the issue is a lot of the more innovative, forward-thinking talent acquisition leaders don't work for Fortune 500 companies. They do not want to be contained in that type of environment. So you've got a bunch of HR process-driven people that have no interest of leveraging these tools or don't have an understanding how to leverage it is my gut. And that's totally a gut. I might be completely wrong. So if you're part of Fortune 500 and you are innovative, I'd love to be corrected, (laughs) but that's my initial gut reaction. Yeah. I think your instincts, it's more than instinct search. I think your experience is telling you the same thing that, that I'm hearing for sure. Can we move on to our next topic? I think everyone will find this pretty fun. And that's the weird and crazy ass interview questions that we sometimes find ourselves either having a hiring manager asking them or or somehow it just ends up going down that path. What's your take, Serge, on asking the real weird questions? Is there anything that's really off limits for you that you would tell a hiring manager, stop asking that. 
I think there can be unique and weird interview questions actually part of your process. I think in, in some parts, we're so stuck in the sense of an interview is like, you're sitting across a table and you're serious and we do not want to do that. So you can actually use weird and well, I say weird, but say unique interview questions as part yeah. of your process. I think you have to be careful about it. I think there's elements that you should never ask a question that makes your candidate feel uncomfortable. Never ask a question that is inappropriate. Uh, obviously, I shouldn't have to say that, but oh no, but you do all yeah. the time. Yeah. And then try not to spring in on them. I think the guideline is you should prefix, hey, so you did a bunch of really serious questions. I want to ask you some different types of questions. So you're prepping them for it. I think those are the things that you have to look at, but there is a situation that you should be using maybe questions that are a little bit different because all the major companies. So if you look at Tesla, Apple, it's part of their interview, guys. There is what we call strange interview questions in there. But what's your take on it? You know, what's interesting, Serge, is when sometimes the reason for asking these strange questions, the answer is even stranger than the question itself. I worked with one of my hiring leaders. He was actually a vice president back in the day. And he would always ask these really, I found them to be like, tell me how whoever answers this question, how is that helping us find out if this person's the right fit, right? And it would be questions like how many combinations of two rolled dice will result in the total number of six. Seriously, if you've not already made that candidate so incredibly stressed out, now you're asking them to do what? Like, And tell me how answering that question, right or wrong, how is that going to help us decide if we've got the right candidate? Uh, I personally cringe at it. And so I, I asked him, I said, so tell me why you ask that interview question. And you know, his answer to me, he said that when he was being interviewed for like his first or second engineering job ever, the hiring manager that interviewed him asked him that question and he got the job. And I said, so why do you ask it? Like, he said, because I just, it's almost because someone did it to me. I'm going to continue to do it to them. And I'm like, man, you need to call the employee helpline. This is fucked up. That's no reason to ask somebody a question like that in an interview. And there should be a purpose to the question and how it gets there. And a great majority of the time when we ask these silly or, or unique type of interview questions, they can be really focused on what the culture of that organization is. And it, it doesn't necessarily need to be something that there is a right or wrong answer, but gives you some insights of what their thought process is. So I do have a couple of these types of questions that you can ask and want to get your take on it. Okay. What fictional character do you identify the most with and why that character? What do you think that would determine from a candidate? I, I don't know how, what it would tell us about their qualifications to do the work. I really don't. Fictional qualifications for work or there's qualifications. Why are we interviewing the people then? Are, are well, there's we qualifications <laughs> to see if they have the skills and the talents to do the job. 
Or are we interviewing them to see if I'm going to have fun hanging out with them on the weekend? That's a question I would ask at a dinner party. I don't know. So that's my take on it. I think every company has a unique culture and I don't believe in culture fit, but I do believe in culture ad. And there are some types of personalities that just won't work with a particular culture. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time. Extremely competent, brightest people in the world. They go to a great company and they're just not a fit. And I think there is value in determining and giving them some insights of what that particular culture. And I think this is the type of question that might help you determine how they think, what's their mentality going into work. So I'm, I know you're very hardcore. Do you have the skills? But it's no, like a relationship. Listen, no, no, Serge, listen, we just talked about diversity. And if you are truly, and so some companies, you're right, if you just want to continue to hire people to fit in and the rest can fuck off, then go ahead with your stupid ass questions. I'm saying asking a question like this, how can somebody possibly know why are you asking me this? Is it an icebreaker? Are we all going to laugh? But from a candidate's perspective, they're like, if I answer this wrong, maybe they won't advance me to the next interview stage. There's not really a wrong way to answer that question. But I think so, part but of it realize is people from diverse, different backgrounds, asking them a question such as that, the interview itself is already fucking stressful. You ask them a question like that and they'll just be absolutely shell-shocked. How would they know what to say? They it doesn't make sense answer. to them. There's right? not really a good answer. And the way you're saying it now is do not put the candidate in a stressful situation to me is I'm sure you gave your kids participation trophies the way you're talking. Cause yeah, <laughs> real life. No, no. So unless you are yourself very tuned in to, let's just say you've got your degree in hiring for diversity, then go ahead and ask your question because the first thing we said is don't ask questions that are inappropriate or discriminatory. Yep. Or reference candidates, ethnicity or race or gender, because I don't know why you would be asking me that question. That question is more to warm up the candidate and give them a taste of the type of culture there is in the company. I know a company that I work for, they're all superhero fans. Like it seems like everyone's either Marvel or DC and I'm not like, I'm never actually have watched a superhero movie in my life. I think mm -hmm, I watched mm -hmm. Deadpool and that's it, but it doesn't mean I didn't fit in the culture. I gave them a different character. If they asked me that type of question, Part of it too, to ask these types of questions is to get a sense of who the person really is and make them feel comfortable. And I don't think that's wrong. Like the one question mm -hmm. I've asked, and it's mm -hmm. actually here, what language would you like to learn one day and why? Awesome. I love that. Nobody can be offended by that. No one can be offended. If I'm looking at employees right now, I mm -hmm. want someone that has a mentality of always learning, brilliant, They're always trying mm -hmm. to improve their skills. As we know, this is a skill-based economy. So this question gives me an idea in their mindset. And they might say, look, I have no interest in learning other languages. That, that makes me question what their actual uh, drive is. So there's the difference, Serge. You clearly have a reason for asking that isn't about, are you going to fit in? right? This is more about your personal desire. So check mark versus if you were a superhero, who would you be? Like, that's a question. Are you going to fit in here? And that's how I feel like, even when I hear it, 
I think you're being too structured in that sense that you can be creative, but there's got to your point. I completely agree. There has to be a purpose to your question and what you're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I think we're all on the same page. Hiring managers have stupid questions that have no purpose to your story. And I'm a big believer in standardized interview. Really, mm-hmm. you're judging character A and B based on the same interview questions. And you can have those unique questions in it. So some of it that are not that unique, but I think are interesting. So what inspires you to work in this industry? Not that unique, but I think it gives you an idea of, is this a person sure. just, I like, love do that. they have a passion for this industry? Yeah. Tell me a time that you, tell me about the time when you felt like a hero at work. Yeah. Love that question. It shows their motivation, what really they yep. see success. When are you engaged? Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. Love it. Tell me about the time when a job or company felt like a bad fit for your personality and why. Okay. I think I'm going to give you a big X on that one. Yeah. Yeah. You've never had a company that you were, a, you felt it was a bad fit for your personality? Oh, of course. However, I don't think when you're in an interview, this question can go so badly off the rails. I would rather keep it on the positive. Tell me when you were like most engaged with your company. What were you working on? What were you doing? Because I can't possibly know the disadvantage that a candidate has is they can't possibly know if you know what I'm about to tell you describes your company exactly. Therefore, I'm eliminated. Wait, it's why a- is that a bad thing? Because it's not an even playing field. It's a trick question. That's why you're asking it. If you're asking it to find out um, a bad fit for my personality, if I answer it in, in an honest way, and it reflects the honestly, the team that I'm about to join, then I eliminate myself. So isn't that a good thing? But will you ever tell the candidate that? Will they ever know that the reason we didn't advance you was because our corporate culture is exactly what you described as a bad fit for your personality? I don't see why that's wrong. Because in reality... Yes, at the end result is the right thing to do. Yeah. but Isn't that what we're trying to get in an interview is to get the sense if this person's going to be successful in the work in the company that they're applying to. Isn't that the purpose of an interview? Then we're back to, can they do the work? right? Because if what you're trying to do is hire more of the same, that's not diverse. Are we doing a disservice to the candidate if what they hate is exactly the environment they're going to be going into? Would you like to know? Yes, I should. Would you want to spend five and a half years in a place? I knew in the first week I was like, oh my God, I have made a horrible mistake. Shelly, you're being too altruistic again. I'm just, oh, I'm just too positive. I, I think you are too positive. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go no, over to your comes, house you're and I'm going right. to ask your daughter, Brooklyn, to show me her participation trophies lined up. No, there isn't any. There isn't any. No, there's not. No, okay. no, there I, isn't any. No, it's not altruistic. What it is, I believe that talent will decide where they want to go. And if you have this attitude as so many 1970s style employers do, and that is you're, you're lucky to be even sitting here because there's 20 more like, well, you that's not the door. what it is. No search. 
I still need them to be successful in the role, and I still need to figure out how they think and how they get to that. So anyways, before I'm talking about disagreements, <laughs> last week we announced that TikTok is launching yes. basically a TikTok for jobs. And I said, I think there's potential in it. I think there is a lot of potential. And then our friends on the Chat and Cheese show really just knocked it down and, oh, and laughed yeah, at it and yeah. put the examples of companies using Snapchat and even Facebook, different social media, and there's been no impact. And one of the things they say is, and I don't disagree with this, how do you get these candidates to apply? ATS suck, they're going to apply through TikTok. How the fuck is that going to work? Valid points, but the companies that do it well right. are going to be in an advantage. And this is why I think it's different. A couple of things. So it really aligns with how the generation is using and how they're consuming information. A lot of it is video driven, which is what TikTok's platform is. The other element is TikTok has been a, a place where you can get tons of useful information in really digestible bite size. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea, the hashtag career advice is generating 80 million views a day on TikTok, 80 million views. So people are looking for career advice, different ways to get in different sectors. So there's already an audience that Snapchat has never had. TikTok is growing like crazy. It's going to be the next billion dollar social media. I don't think there's been a faster social media platform growth as much as TikTok. And in reality, for candidates in, of that generation, for those types of jobs, what a great way to showcase your innovation, your creativity, how you really highlight yourself in a 60 second video. I don't see any negatives with it at all. And I hope they're successful. So I think Chad and Cheese are just being boomers and, <laughs> and going against TikTok because uh, I think there's a lot of value. I think it will have an impact on what Snapchat, which everyone was talking two years ago, let's leverage Snapchat. McDonald did the uh, their run, it didn't work. I think TikTok is going to be different. Yeah, I tend to agree more with you. And mostly because this is about driving smarter. track and better looking. Yeah, oh, of course. Yes, no doubt. and better looking. So realize this is about driving traffic and brand awareness. And what is the objective? The objective is not to drive them to another job board. But if you're creating brand awareness... That's how you win. And so everyone's throwing daggers at McDonald's for trying out Snapchat. At least they tried. At least, at least they did trying. something. And so no different than companies that are going to uh, take a look at TikTok and give it a try. Because it's about brand awareness. Even if they fail, just look at, here we are talking about McDonald's. How many years later? Like, mm. we're still talking about it. That's the point. Not all press is bad press. And so companies that will jump onto TikTok, and so maybe they don't have it all figured out, but what companies are figuring out is it's about awareness and driving brand awareness. Yeah. Uh, recruiting so, is not only about finding people, it's about people finding you. You have to exactly. be where your audience is in front of them and exactly. how you do it. So yes. I think companies that look at TikTok and take yeah. advantage and do it well, and mm -hmm. there's, there's a very much a risk companies will fuck it up. Don't get me wrong. But the ones that do it well, 
mm-hmm. will have a massive advantage because they're going to get an audience that everyone is trying to get a hold of. And we look at just a retail and quick service restaurant where they have to pay people to get them yeah. to come to our interview. Isn't that the target audience? Did you ever watch Mad Men? Of course, I've watched okay. Mad Men like so, six times. So you remember year. in Mad Men when the agency was failing at advertising and they hired those two young guys? So that is the point here. If for TikTok, you need to hire 14 to 17 year olds to do your TikTok <laughs> advertising strategy because they are your audience, right? Yeah. So there comes a time when uh, boomers do need to step aside and hire somebody who is this demographic to do it. And then it will be successful. Chad, cheese, <laughs> you're wrong. Uh-oh. You Uh-oh. Throwing wrong. down the glove. Throwing yes. down the glove. Let's talk about it. So one final news, okay, our go. friend, uh, so Terry Baker, CEO of Pando Logic, was here a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. we just breaking news, they just acquired Wade and Wendy, which is an AI platform, which we talked at the start of the show. So congratulations to yeah. them. We'll have more info, I'm sure, in the near future. Shelly, anything exciting. else going on with you? No, other than I just finished watching Halston on Netflix. I binge. I even know what that is. So good. Oh my God. I just started Peaky Blinders. (laughs) Have you seen that? No. I love it. Is it good? Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so things are coming together and no vacation plans, but I am very proud to say I am about to become hashtag Pfizer girl. I'm scheduled to get. It's about fucking time. You've been (laughs) eligible for two months. I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. So I'm scheduled for this Saturday search. I'll get my my Pfizer girl hashtag put right on my social media. Uh, right next to girl boss. <laughs> Shelly, have a fantastic uh, week. And Thanks, to Serge. all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.